Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel, Kim and Chris. On today's French Open preview, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. Djokovic lands in the same half as Alcaraz. Rebecca draws potential semi with Shiontech. And we announce our Kletterset French Open player picks. Chris, today is the 25th of May and we are here to catch up on the French Open draws at Tennis Weekly HQ. Roland Garros is here. The draws were made today. Very, very exciting. Collector set is back as well at Tennis Weekly. And I'm always excited because it's an episode I can give my quarter by quarter predictions, which are usually terrible, but uh, it's still just fun. I think just sort of looking at a complete draw at the very beginning, having so many hopes and ambitions and feeling like a know-it-all and then... Two days later, it's <laughs> your world's turned right upside down. I mean, draws are there to be broken, and so are all <laughs> of our predictions. The good thing, Joel, about when we have Collector Set is that we are able to do our quarter-by-quarter quarter predictions, and then I can do something completely different for Collector Set. So I can hedge my bets of the hope at some point I'll get one pick that no one else will get, or one point. So I think I'm playing for... Not to be bageled or not to uh, take a trip to the bakery here. Yeah, I'm really excited to unveil, or we're going to be unveiling our collector set player nominations later in the episode. We're, of course, going to be doing the French Open analysis quarter by quarter for the men's draws as well as the ladies' draws. Um, But before we get into that, Chris... The draw took place today, and I know I know you love live streaming a Grand Slam draw. Now, I feel like the, t- the topic of live streaming draws, they have been borderline shambolic, I feel, um, at other Grand Slam tournaments. How did, for you, the French Open draw, how did it, how did it stack up? I'll tell you what, it's, it's a lovely looking room. <laughs> it's very, very nice. There's a big stage. Both the trophies are there. Um Amelie Moresmo pops in, you know, I think it's all, it's all very, a lot of ceremony. Mm. I think the US Open don't even live stream no, it now. They just do a reveal. Um, it's like, surprise, here yeah. it is. That's a bit of an, an odd one. But this one, they have all sorts of ceremony and they always invite um, a random French athlete to come and mm. do the draw. And I remember last time I was saying that it was um, uh, a biathlete, which was quite surprising, called Quentin Filon Mallet which I was not expecting. Maybe everyone else was busy. Maybe, but this time they've upped the budget. I think clearly there's been some investment (laughs) because we had the French rugby captain, um, Anton Dupont Mm. was there, which... He's a very good rugby player. I do like my rugby and he he lit up the Six Nations this year. So uh, yeah, he's uh, definitely a bit of star Yeah. Well, he lit up the draw ceremony (laughs) as well because... (laughs) Sounds like he lit up uh, for for Igish Field Tech. It does. Well, I mean, I think it definitely put her in a spot of bother because maybe <laughs> sporting worlds shouldn't always unite because she was asked, um, do you watch rugby sometimes? And um, Iga said that after this, she will for sure. <laughs> um, but she still Love congratulated it. him on everything he'd, he'd done because she knew that he had done some things. She found out about <laughs> him before, before the ceremony in the briefing. Um, but hey, you know, Iga's busy. She's playing tennis. She's the mm. world number one. Yeah, no, it was uh, yeah, it was a good draw. It went off without any hitches, I, I would say, and uh, yeah, nice a little bit of nice to get a little bit of star power there. Um, let's look at the men's draw starting uh, in the top quarter. Carlos Alcaraz is the world number one. He is the top seed. What do you make of his quarter? What do you make? I feel after losing to to Marazan, I was calling it like upset of the. <laughs> Upset of the century. upset of the century so Millennium. far. Yeah, are you how how high are you on on Carlos Alcaraz at the moment? It was that just a blip, or is there a little bit more cause for concern now you've seen the draw? I I'm not too concerned in the draw. I think 
it's a it's not a bad draw. Mm. I think he will be able to play himself back into form. Um, Sitsipas is a very dangerous quarterfinal opponent. I think it's been quite a while since he's been the fifth seed at a slam. Um, and obviously he made the final of the Australian Open. So he showed this year he's got Grand Slam form. So that definitely poses a challenge. But when we look back at this compared to last year's French Open draw, where I was completely outraged that we had Nadal and Djokovic mm. were in the same quarter, I believe. Um, and that caused absolute chaos um, in terms of interest. And and I have to say, in terms of if you could have picked an exciting quarter, it would be Sitsipas, Alcaraz or Djokovic um, Sitsipas. So I think what's good is that we have got the interest there, but it's not so much that we will... Um, lose interest if one of those goes out early. Yeah, I mean, one of the big talking points of about the draw was when Novak Djokovic was going to land, which we're going to get onto because he did land in in Carlos Alcaraz's is half, so that could potentially be a, a semi-final to come. But as you said, Sissipas is also going to be um, you know a real challenge potentially for, it's for a Alcaraz. Tough top half. Yeah, I mean, interestingly, on Sissipas in the news this week, Mark Philippoussis, who has been you know his coach. Um, over the last few seasons, um, announced kind of a shock, a shock split has been removed, um, you know, from the the setup. What do you what do you kind of make of that? Is that surprising going into the French Open? Is is that going to concentrate Sissipas even more, or do you think that's like a a little bit of a worry sign maybe going into into Roland Garros? I think it's it clearly is a case that outside influence is probably quite positive when it comes to sit to pass so I would be slightly concerned if there isn't that outside mm. influence in the same way without Philippoussis in your camp I thought he was a calming influence on on him versus his fa- versus his family which we've seen in in the last week or so and having someone who's been there and done that I think is probably someone who they will listen mm. to in those situations as well so I think it can go one of two ways obviously um, Sasha Zverev did actually part ways um, with his coach and was being coached pretty much by his family, his brother playing a role as well. And he mm-hmm. reached the French Open sem- semifinals last year playing some of the best tennis we've ever seen him play. So sometimes it can be easier in terms of the dynamic if there is tension there and it is being caused by two different opinions. But it's definitely not the the ideal um, pathway that he's had going into the French in terms of his form, in terms of the stability of his camp and in terms of uh, some of the question marks that, that there are around whether he'll be able to play his best tennis here. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I do wa- I do wonder without maybe that calming influence and it's just going to be full on family. Um, yeah, that has definitely boiled over and we're going into an even more intense environment in terms of a Grand Sam, a Grand Sam that Sissipas expects um to do well in so um i'm interested to see how that um how that kind of plays out and develops how many members of his family do you think he's going to <laughs> ask to leave stadiums during the tournament well i was, I was thinking he's, he's probably going to give his mum uh mark philippoussis's uh mark philippoussis's seat That's, i mean she could get an upgrade you know maybe petrol <laughs> sits a pass maybe he's going to be head yeah, coach exactly exactly um i mean other players in this quarter we've got britain's cam norrie um, we've got Felix Auger Aliassim. I noticed Felix Auger Aliassim. I think pulled out today um, of of Leon. Um, I think that was more precautionary. However, I don't think he's had a particularly great um, great clay season. He's got Fabio Fornini in the first round. I'm oh, I've got that on upset alert um, for me personally. I, I've not seen as much of FAA as I would have liked to. And what I saw of Fornini against against Andy Murray. If there's a crowd and you know they are vocal. I always feel like Fornini is up for it. He is. And he said this week that he still knows on his day he can beat anybody, which mm. I think is an interesting statement based on the form he showed in the last that is year. Very I mean, true. he did beat Andy yeah. Murray, but I mean, he is, he's 36 mm. now, um, Fognini. So I think it is a bit of a case where on a day he can beat someone on the next day, he might lose to anybody else. So um, it's the perfect matchup for him because I think he does sometimes need a little bit of a name to get himself motivated. Um, and if you're kind of Felix, I think, he probably was playing Leon thinking, I've got to get a win on clay before I come into the French. That was his first win yeah. on clay yeah. this season. What's going um, on? What is going on there? I mean, both the both the Canadian Bears, let's be honest, because they're both in this quarter. Denis Shapovalov's the twenty-sixth seed. I'm actually amazed he's 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 seeded at all, given, you know, what, what we've seen of him this season. But it does feel like the the Canadians are on a, a little bit of a downslope at the moment. Given not long ago that what they won the uh, the ATP Cup with uh, with Shapovalov and FAA, 
Yeah, they were playing fantastic tennis and combined they've had two wins on clay in the clay court season, mm. which is, I mean, very surprising given the level of talent. You have to think maybe he hasn't been fully fit because he has been playing really well um, on other surfaces, but it is definitely Felix's worst surface. He is very much at home on an indoor court um, and a hard court and a slow clay court like we've seen in some of these events. It's no real surprise that he hasn't been able to put together the best results, but in Madrid, with a serve like his, you'd expect him to at least win a couple of rounds. And I, I do think upset alert, Joel. I'm, I'm, I hate to agree with you, but I do think that one, if it's not an upset, it's going five. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what, where, where else are you just quickly looking at in this quarter? I say Cam Nori is there. He's got Benoit Pair in the first round. I think Cam Nori could do quite well in this tournament. He's going well this week. I'm slightly worried though. Alexander Shevchenko. I think he's had some very decent results, even in in losses. Um, over the the clay this season. I remember watching his match against uh, Medvedev a few weeks ago where he pushed him to three, lost 7-5 in the third. I think he could be a little bit dangerous. Um, I'm excited to watch Mikhail Ebert as well against Lorenzo Massetti, uh, given, well, Ebert got defaulted this week. So I haven't necessarily got him on upset alert. I've got him on anger management alert. Was the ball in or out, though? That is the question people are talking about. N- not whether he destroyed the umpire's chair. The umpire chair. should he have got, got up. up from his seat, let's be honest. I know, like, Emer. I mean, to me, Emer is not a player known for his outbursts like that. He was very kind of... I think for me, looking at it on, on TV, it was like very in the moment. It was very cool afterwards. He accepted the default and just wanted to get out of the situation. But I do agree. I think... The umpire in the first place should have got up and, and checked it because it was a very close call on a very on a very big point. It was a close call on a big point. I do think his behaviour was beyond unacceptable. Mm. It was very reminiscent of was it in uh, Monterey last year with or no not last year a while ago with Alexander Zverev yeah. and if you to see what the punishment is because um, there wasn't a very significant one and I think if you and are kind of attacking the umpire's chair I mean you need to really think about what it was that set that off because that was one point um, hey, I mean if they're giving 133,000 euro fine to Hugo Gaston for dropping a ball on the tennis court I'm, I'm interested to see how uh, yeah how that could potentially go for you Mayor. I mean he's, he's made a loss this year <laughs> with that fine was before that it too, was reduced was that, too, I think. was that too much do you think or were you like I can understand that I remember watching it happen and I thought the audacity um, when it happened it just felt so sneaky like mm. it would never cross my mind to throw a ball on court and pretend it fell out and you have to play a lap but it's definitely in poor taste. It must happen on the Challenger Tour and in lots of tournaments all the time. Um, it obviously was an intention to try and like wangle a let, which is obviously cheating. Um, but I mean, we've seen people abuse umpires. As we've talked about, we've seen um, Zverev basically attack an umpire in his chair and he didn't get a fine this big. Um, so I'm not sure why they're making an example of him. And I do just think it's this odd thing where when you have a st- when you have status, you do seem to get away with more because Kyrgios has got away with a lot. Like he spat on a fan at Wimbledon. Yeah, um, he's. I mean, it's really Chucked some chairs really on the court. Is, yeah, and this was obviously like something that was very mm-hmm. stupid, but slightly calculated in the sense that he didn't even obviously realize this would be replayed so much on Twitter and this would be caught <laughs> yeah. on. But the punishment doesn't fit the crime. And this was if this is the worst fine for a defense in tennis history, then I think. Um, tennis must be completely free of any sort of bad I, behavior i fully expect him now to sort of be in a room thinking about okay chucking a ball on the court that's out of the picture now to to get a let what are the other ways i can i can achieve that because the I've, cap the cap is oh, a good cap. one andy murray's cap oh, blowing i was off. thinking about getting some braids in 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 the hair with uh, you know with venus williams oh, when the, the, uh, when the braids was, fell out yep. yeah so um i'd be growing my hair long that was a good i'd be one. growing my hair long and get some braids in that's or you could do maybe a violation of the Wimbledon dress Ooh, code midpoint. Yes, yes. You know what if you're uh, you you play hit a serve and you're your top road mm. up and you've got a violation of colour underneath. There's all <laughs> sorts of things you could go for. You can get really inventive, Joel. Yeah, you can, you can. Well we'll see we'll see how that we'll see how that uh, that develops. But um I mean moving on to the second quarter, as I said, we had Carlos Alcaraz wonder about if Novak Djokovic was going to fall in his half, and he has done. Um Novak Djokovic headlines the second quarter. We've got Andre Rublev in there, um, Dan Evans, Hubert Herkaj, Karen Kachinov, who's been a very solid performer you know in the grand slams of late um again 
question to you around Djokovic. He's not had the greatest... It's been a bit of a bumpy clay season so far. There's been a few injury niggles. He hasn't won a title since, um, you know, Australian Open Grand Slam at the start of the year. Yes, he wasn't allowed into, you know, the United States for the the Sunshine Double. But um, how do you see how do you see this going for Novak Djokovic? Do you think he will be worried about the form that he has shown going up to this event, regardless of, you know, his level when he when it comes to Grand Slams? I don't think we can ever really be too concerned for Djokovic because I think the way that he's able to play himself into form and actually manage injuries throughout a tournament is almost like unprecedented. Um, We saw in Australia, there were niggles. We've seen in many different uh, situations that he's been in in trouble and he's been able to pull through and then use the rest day to kind of almost um, reboot the system. Um, I think he will be losing some sets to some... I mean, I saw the draw and I, immediately I thought that first round, he's gonna, maybe a set's going to go because he does quite like, you know, to lose a few sets Jack early Draper on. Jack Draper at Wimbledon. He does like uh, dropping the first set of a tournament, doesn't he? Of a, of a grand I mean, slam. Jack Draper, we had... Um, he dropped a set against um, a relatively unknown French player, Enzo... Uh, was it Cucord? Mm-hmm. At, the, at the Australian yeah. and then didn't lose another set throughout. So... I think we'll have a little wobble. I think he's had a bit of time off. And I actually think that Holger match was more positive for Djokovic than Holger because he really didn't play his best tennis and he's still very competitive with someone who many people think is probably the third favourite for the title. I do, yeah. And I think it's quite interesting. The nearest seed to him is Davidovich Fikina. Um, I, I find that interesting because he is a player who... You know, again, I almost have to take, I think, tournament at tournament by tournament because sometimes he shows flashes of brilliance. Tiebreak by tiebreak, final <laughs> yeah, set tiebreak by final exactly. set tiebreak. But sometimes, yeah, he's just completely off the boil, but sometimes he is on it and he can just pull, you know, match after match together in a, in a, in a clay tournament specifically. Um, yeah, so I'm curious to see how that goes. I mean, he's got Arthur Fee from France in the first round. I don't think that's a, that's a gimme at all. I think Fee's made... Three. We'll see that on Chatrier, I'm yeah. sure, in the scheduling. I, I think that's going to be an interesting one. I mean, I could even have ADF on, on upset alert there because I think Fee's been in three ATP Tour semifinals this year. Um, I think he's in one at the moment in, in Lyon. He, I think, won against uh, an email when that, that default happens. So um, that be, that could be quite interesting. I mean, on the other side, you've got catch. He's well-rested, Joel, I would say, quickly, because mm, he actually yeah. had that walkover, didn't have to finish the set, and then Felix pulled yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. So he's had two walkovers. So he mm. is fresh as a daisy for the Nakashima match tomorrow. So going to the French, even though he has been playing this week, he um he might have as much confidence under your belt as you think he would for mm. reaching a semi-final. Yeah, we will. Well, we'll wait and see on that. I mean, just on the other side, as I say, we've got Kachanov and Rublev. Do you see like either of those players or anyone else um, in that part of the draw uh, being a potential thorn in the side of, of Novak Djokovic? I mean, Andre Rublev, Monte Carlo champion, uh, lest we forget. I mean, that is a great point. I think something that made it very difficult when we're looking at this draw from a predictions perspective was around Rublev and Kachanov Mm. because they've split results um, on the clay this year um, and they split very similar score lines with in Monte Carlo. Obviously, Rublev won that title. He came through 7-6, 6-2 in the round of 16. And then in Madrid, Kachanov came through 7-6, 6-4. Probably the serve might have been the thing that brought him through that. But that one is a hard one to call because when it comes to majors, Kachanov has shown that he does have the better form. Um, so the question will be, can, and I'm not sure he quite has yet, can Rublev build on that Masters breakthrough victory by putting something together and going beyond the quarterfinal and into the very latter stages of a slam? And I'm not sure he will because I think there are a couple of players in here such as Kachanov um, and also Djokovic who... I think their experience at the later stages of slams will really get them through that. I mean, moving on to the bottom half of the draw and we're going to get on to quarter three. Chris, I know you're looking forward to this because this quarter, you might as well just call it the Battle of the Nordics because we've got Holger Rune, Kasper Ruud headlining uh, this quarter. Rune's got Eubanks from America in the first round. I mean, Ruud's got a very nice, comfortable route into to Roland Garros. He's surrounded by... Um, qualifiers and or or lucky lose and or qualifiers or lucky losers. Um, 
do you see do you see this quarter as the battle of the nordics or do you think someone else is going to come out of nowhere and just kind of put that put that story to bed I think it's an interesting rivalry that's developing. I think it does make for quite a lot of interest. I think it's very exciting because we've seen um, that they had a great contest, especially that first set um, in Rome Mm -hmm. in the semifinals. They're both starting to put form together. So I think it would be great to see that again. We did see it at the French Open where there was all of that drama. Changing room room drama. Is there going to be more? And it's very un-Scandinavian, like I have to say, like I don't encounter this level of drama on a daily basis in my life here in Copenhagen. So um, I think it will be interesting to see what happened. I do think that Casper probably um, probably will kind of put some form together here. Mm. Uh, I can't see past Holger though. I, I really can't see past Holger though for this section. Just on Runa, what do you make of the fact that he could play Sebastian Baez in the second round, which... I think that's quite a tricky. That's quite a tricky early test. I think if you're in this tournament, yeah, I mean it is a tricky one. Um, obviously, Norrie took him out today uh, mm. quite handily in that final set six one. He's a clay court specialist. His whole game is to make it difficult for you. But if you do have the firepower like Holger does, you will be able to get past him. He doesn't have those regular upsets of like the big players in the same way that like a Serendudo does, where he has those moments where he's able to kind of go above the top 30 and really get the results. So I don't see any particular problems in this section of the draw for him. Um, I do have my eye on um, a particular tie between Lehechka and Struve. Mm. I think yeah. Kim and Kim and yourself, I think you, you're backing Struve for this one, but I do think Lehechka is a very, very talented younger player. And that, that will be, if I was there and I had a grand pass, that's what I'd be watching. Yeah, that's definitely a very interesting tie. I think Struth is certainly one of the players in this quarter that could, yeah, could could do well, I think. Um, you know, I could easily see him. I know Kasper Ruud could put some form together, but if, if Struth and, and Ruud meet, who's to say Struth might not go on a, on a, on a yeah, journey himself? I mean... The Americans? Yeah. There's a pair of Americans yeah, Taylor in Fritz, here. Yeah. Of the, Taylor Fritz. He's had a bit of a mixed bag season mm. when it comes to the clay. Um, some some solid results, but obviously not his best surface. Serendolo again, that could definitely be a, a good, a good, um, a good result. I I think it's a, it is a tricky, it's a tricky little section, mm. um, and I can see that this probably will have a few a few of the mid seeds. I can see them not making it through. I think there will be some opportunities here for some of the players who really are specialists on clay to make an impact. Yeah, certainly, and I think if you look at um, quarter four I think it's a similar story I mean we've got Daniel Medvedev the ma- what feels like now the master of clay courts um, <laughs> Daniel Medvedev I forgot he had a first name I thought it was just Klaverdev <laughs> well he's right at the bottom of the draw has got a qualifier or a lucky loser in the first round I mean his draw looks quite again quite nice on on paper Yes, Borna Choric could be a, a fly in the ointment there, I think. And there's Tiafo uh, Zverev. But you've got Sinner, um, you know, at the top of this quarter. Do you think Medvedev and Sinner are just on a, on a path to to make up the, the quarterfinals? Or 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 what, what what do you think now with, with this sort of new mantle that's been bestowed on uh, on Klaivedev, as as you said? Well, I think... He really seems to have knuckled down. And although every bounce is a bad bounce, he seems to be handling the bad bounces better than ever before. And none of us thought he'd make a quarterfinal here. And I made the Sharapova comparison last time. And I do think, I genuinely cannot believe I'm saying this, but I would not be gobsmacked if Daniel Medvedev won the French Open. No, really? Which is something I never thought. I'm not saying I'm predicting it, but I can see that being a situation where um, he, he might. He, uh, and he's put together some results that make you think, hang on a minute, this is something that could be realistic. I don't think he will, personally. But in this section, I don't think anyone has the consistency or the firepower to hit, hit him off the court. Um, and I think Sinner and him are, are definitely my favourite to make it through. I think Rusevori could be an interesting early encounter for Sinner. Um, that could be a little bit of a challenge. But Joel, in the battle of the what I call um, the mop-headed um, <laughs> giants of the tour and your favourite male player, Lloyd Harris. He's back in a Grand Slam draw and he's playing Zverev. 
Will that be tricky? Is he still got the long lots? I think that's the most important question. Um, he's, he's got a good head of hair. Does that affect your judgment? <laughs> but I mean, Zverev, it's it's weird that we're not really talking about Zverev. You know, he's still, you know, he's 22nd seed here. It's not been quite there for him. Um, what sort of ambitions do you think Zverev will have going into this French Open? I mean, we've got to remember last year, he had that awful injury um against uh you know nadal in the uh was it in the i think it was in the quarterfinals it was in the semis. semifinals sorry um how do you think how, what do you think he will be looking at to achieve um you know in, in this tournament given how far he got last time he was really pushing nadal it has to be said in that match do you think he can go in with the same level of ambition or do you think he's still finding his feet i don't think he's gonna make an impact here um I think last year it was probably a level that I don't think I'd seen him play for a very long time. I think even though he did lose that first set against Nadal, a lot of Nadal fans were worried mm. in that second set. Yeah. Um, because there is, we know that obviously Nadal was having to, you know, um, numb his foot to even play. Um, so that he was definitely in a, a point where people didn't know from an injury perspective if he would be able to go very long. And that was a very long first set. Um, and almost a tiebreak in, in the second set before that happens. So I think it will be kind of bittersweet coming back, knowing just how close he was to having an absolute epic semi-final and giving him the opportunity to try and make a final. And I'm not saying he would have got through that, but I don't think based on his form, he's in the mental space for it or his game is in the right place. Um, what, what do you think, Joel? Yeah, I think, as you said, I think it'll be a bittersweet um, experience coming back. Um, I think, you know, this part of the draw, again, I think there's opportunities there, um, but it's going to be, I think it's going to be tough. But I think he knows that his level of tennis is not where it needs to be. And maybe, you know, his Grand Slam pedigree from the past can really kind of help him find, you know, a vein of form that he hasn't been able, I think, to discover in the kind of regular um, tour events. So, um, yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, before we get on on to our predictions, one other player I just want to call out, Jack Draper, Britain's Jack Draper, is unseeded in this quarter. He has Echeverry in the That's first, a tough round. first round. Very tough first round. I mean... It's a very tough section there. Diminar, Ivashkas can mm. play very well. But Jack Draper, I think team. Jack Draper, he just came back from injury this week. I think he lost to, to Baez in three in the quarterfinals. Serendolo. Sorry, Serendolo, Serendolo. Um, do you think do you think he's a potential dark horse? I mean, I I could see him. I'm not gonna lie. I think he could cause us. I think he could cause a little bit of a surprise here. I think Jack Draper over five sets. I still have question marks. We saw fantastic results last year at the U.S. Open. It does take a big toll on his body, and we do know he's just coming back from injury. So, for me personally, I think I can see him taking a couple of rounds. I think a Korich would probably be a step too far for him, given the fact he hasn't had that much time on the dirt coming into this. And we know he's not necessarily um, a two-week, five-set mm. um, kind of body at the moment. At the moment. Yeah. But at, in the future, absolutely. I think he's okay. an unbelievable right. player. I'll stop the, the Jack Draper bandwagon there then. Um. <laughs> if he, He'll go on to win this yeah, now. Exactly. This is how predictions work, Joel. <laughs> this is how it works. Right, let's let's do some predictions. Um, we've got... Here we go. We've got Kim's predictions as well. Um, to be honest, we didn't really need Kim's predictions because they are the same as mine, pretty much. Um, I just want to say well, that we now. we have a different winner but each, I think which that's doesn't the always happen. That is the interesting thing. I mean... It's all to play for. <laughs> Chris, who are you Who are you going then for your, your predictions? So, quarterfinal number one, um, I've gone for Alcaraz, Tsitsipas. Uh, I then have gone for Djokovic and Kachanov. Uh, I think he'll be, win the battle of the Russians. I've gone for a Scandinavian third quarter of Rune versus Rud. And then quarter four... I've unsurprisingly gone for Sina Medvedev. Mm, okay. What about you? I have gone quite similar and quite similar to Kim as well. So me and Kim have got Alcaraz, Sissipas, Djokovic, Rublev and Rune Struth um, in our... Did you work on this together, you two? <laughs> we, we have just so in sync. been on longer, but come We are on. just so in sync. After 342 episodes, we just know each other and, and know what we're thinking. Um, however, there was a bit of a 
brain divergence on quarter four because Kim, like you, has gone Sina Medvedev. I've gone Sina Chorich. I'm Joel. Joel, after all of your talk I about know. Medvedev putting together I'm, the clay court season, is, you've now turned your back look, on your own. This is not words. just like I want to be different and be out there and oh, I've got ideas, but I genuinely think um, Chorich could be a player who just has a moment like Marin Cilic had against Medvedev last year where he goes on one, um, you know, for a match. Um, and I'm I'm backing Chorich. Um, it's not your worst prediction, I'll say, but I'm looking forward to see how far you think Chorich will go in this draw as we get to the semifinals. Would you like to let me, okay. let me know where he gets okay. to? Okay, we'll see. So, yeah, I've got Sinner... Well, Sinner Chorich in quarter four. And then I've got Alcaraz Djokovic and Runa Sinner as my semi-finals. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's only inspired for one match, is Chorich. Exactly. Well, we, you know how hard it is to back up. Back it back up, up. It's big hard. Victories. Um, so that's that's what I've got in my semis. And Kim has gone the same, but has got Runa Medvedev um, in her bottom semi. So I think I've actually... Now this is where we pass the baton over. And now I am in sync with Kim. Because we may not have had all the same quarterfinalists, mm. but I've also gone Alcaraz Djokovic <laughs> and Runa Medvedev. So it's us versus you, Joel. Oof. Oof. And now it's like I don't know. And then as all all our all our, our our brains have come together, forget put Kim out of the picture. Alcaraz Rune, we have both got as our French. We've open. been talking about them the entire way through the clay season. <laughs> yeah, we have got them as our French Open uh, twenty twenty three men's finalists. Kim has got. Djokovic Medvedev so yeah we are back in Carlos Alcaraz in the duel against Novak Djokovic if it happens um, in the semi-final but interestingly I've gone Alcaraz as champion and you've gone you've gone Runa I've gone for Holger but I mean I would have thought based on what you've talked about previously that we'd be looking at a, a Holger <laughs> a Medvedev mm. uh, final so I think what I like is that you know you're not you're not um, sticking to your words you're, I'm you're a really wild card. going a bit I'm a wild card you're a wild card and <laughs> And it's maybe we both are because maybe it is a foregone conclusion. And like most slams that Djokovic plays, he will mm. win it. So if I if I was a betting man, I still think Kim's probably got the edge on this one. Yeah, I mean Kim has been the only one of us to have say to say Djokovic as champion, and that would put him um, he, that would put him at the top uh, with Grand Slams one. He's obviously tied with um, Nadal at the moment, but yeah, I don't know. I'm re- I just really hope, actually, we just get that Alcaraz-Djokovic semi because it's been talked about for so long and it would be really fitting, I feel, to have it um, in a Grand Slam best-of-five set format. And then two young, big hopes of the game, the new big three, potentially, two of the new big three in the final. That would be <laughs> the dream tournament, as far as I'm concerned. Right. We're going to take a quick break now, but join us in the second half where we're going to be taking a look at the women's draw as well as revealing our collector set player picks. So do not go anywhere. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back to the Tennis Weekly Podcast, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. And now we're going to move on to the women's draw, Chris. Um, well, actually, before we get on to that, I just want to have a quick word, quick word on British tennis. British female players not having the best time of it at the moment. There are going to be no British females in the main draw. First time since 2009 
that has happened at a Grand Slam. Very quickly, any what are your words kind of on this? Because there were quite a few in, in qualifying and, and the second round of qualifying was almost just like a bloodbath, wasn't it, of for British for British hope. This to me doesn't feel great, particularly when we're going into the British grass court season in Wimbledon. You just know that the British press are going to be making a point of this. Yeah, we don't have a headline player on the women's side. Um, and when you take away Radicani, you really do notice there is such a big sort of void Chasm. of players mm. who... It really is. And um, I think I've always had a bit of a bugbear when it comes to some of the British players who aren't willing to spend life on the tour as much as they should. There are lots of tournaments that they could enter, they don't enter. And they, there isn't the focus of getting the ranking up in the same way. And they don't always apply... Um, the same level of enthusiasm and the same level of kind of um, of their game when it comes to life on tour versus life in a, a team competition. So I do really like the fact that Katie Bolt has been over in Asia at the ITF events, picking up ranking points so that she can get herself into a situation where she can qualify for Wimbledon by right. Um, so we do have some upward trajectories. Obviously, Jodie Burridge probably would have got acceptance because there's been a lot of withdrawals. Um, she's ranked about in the top 110 so there's a lot of people in a similar spot, but it is a pretty sad state of affairs that for the first time since 2009 and with the legacy of kind of some of the players we've had that we're in a situation yeah. where there's no British representation. And it's also sad that Paula Badosa uh, is not going to be there. Can't catch a break, can she? No, I know. She just feel like she was picking up ahead of seam. And then, yeah, she's announced today on, on social media she is out um, with a stress fracture to her back. So, um, yeah, get well soon, uh, Paula. But um, she would have been your picture because yeah, you were picking her I for know. everything. <laughs> I know. Don't worry. One of my other sort of regular picks, Kudametova, is still... Is still firmly. Oh, of course. She's your banker. Firmly in my banker. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> we're talking about Kudometova. We're talking about quarter one because that is where she is, along with Iga Sviontek. Um, Iga Sviontek, she pulled out of her match with Rabakina in Rome. I still feel like it's all very positive and optimistic about Sviontek's chances with, French, with the French Open. I mean, Chris, since that happened, has the gap between her as favorite with the chasing pack has that shortened for you or is it still kind of like this is eager on texas to lose all depends on her fitness i think she didn't say she was too concerned she made it quite clear that she was going to be in paris she booked that flight um she was very chirpy at the draw ceremony but we've also seen a very chirpy krajikova before mm. she had to pull out of her first round is it the rafa mentality of show no weakness to your competitors yeah, I think it might be. Um, I do think she did seem quite ca- carefree, though. So I do I do think it's okay. Um, and part of the reason why I have got some question marks is because you just don't know how serious it is. Because I think whatever happens, you'd want to communicate, as you say, that you're going to be mm. there. Um, and that you're, you're no questions about your participation. Um, but she's got some stern tests, you know, in her section of the draw. Um, there are some tricky players in the form of like Azarenka's there, Andrescu's in that same um, part of the draw, Kajikova, who's had the better of her a few mm. times and a former champion here. So I think it's it's not an easy draw, but we've seen her come through tough draws before, like at the US Open and then start to play her best tennis. But it might be a bit of a case like Djokovic, where you have to manage the injury as the tournament progresses. Yeah, as you said, there are some really stern tests there. I mean, it's amazing to have Azarenka, Andrescu, Round one, Grand Slam champion, Grand Slam champion. That is that is probably one of the pick of the ties on, on either side of the draws. It's a nightmare draw from them both. <laughs> You've got to feel like Bianca coming mm. back from her injury, Azarenka hasn't had the best clay season. Um that does scream it could go it could go long. Yeah. I think it's gonna have some some edgy moments. Um but I think that would be a real blockbuster round one, two Grand Slam champions drawn together. Um, there's a few other very interesting matches there. I Are think, you going to um, talk about Kai Kanepi being unseeded um, and in a Grand Slam? Dangerous floater. Blah, blah, blah. We've the, heard it all before, the Chris. World, the world's most um, un, well, most uh, dangerous floater, I guess I can say, in all Grand Slam draws. The last thing you want to see, especially mm. if you're a big hit like Madison Keys, because they can both <laughs> soak up the, uh, a yep. speedy ball. Yep. They really can. And um, I'm, I think that would be... A bit of fun to watch. I'm not sure it'll be the most pretty tennis at times. Um, but Coco Goff, that's where my real question mm. is. Last year's finalist, 
just had a bit of a bit of a mixed bag of a clay season. I've almost forgot that that happened actually. Um, and yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to see how she gets on. All because Kalanina could be a round three opponent for her, and Kalanina obviously got to the final um, in Rome. Yes, she had to retire. So I'm hoping that was more out of just being knackered from the amount of minutes she spent on court in in Rome. But again, that could be could be a bit of a test um, if that does happen in the third round. Yeah, that definitely would be a test. I think what's good is that going into the French, it seems like there's been some decisions from her camp about how um, how her game should be working. I mean, seven weeks ago, she parted with her coach, um, Diego Moyano, um, who cited the reason for kind of personal reasons. Um, and so since then, she has kind of seen some, some slightly improved mm. results, but she's also had some mixed back there. So I think she is practicing better and she's trying to be more aggressive because that is where we've seen the problem when she doesn't hit through that forehand so I think she knows what it takes on a big stage um and I think the change in her coaching dynamic I think will start to to make sense because you don't get those results immediately when you change your coach unless it's Dimitri Terzanov on indoor (laughs) indoor courts in which case you're going to be at the end of season finals of course of course I can see her playing her way into form and I wouldn't be surprised if she did end up making um, a quarterfinal I think uh, I'd love to see that um, but I do think that if Ego makes it there then that would be a little bit of a foregone conclusion in my mind a bit like last year's French final and moving on to the second quarter Elena Rabakina headlines this as the fourth seed Chris I'm not going to lie I'm just glad she is the fourth seed so we haven't got a potential Shiontech Rabakina quarter like I feel like we've had it so She'll many be on a show court as well <laughs> finally she gets yes, a show court not the car exactly park. um I mean Anzu Bohr as well um is in this uh you know former you know, recent Wimbledon finalist uh wh- wh- where do you where are you looking at on in this quarter because for me Anzu Bohr I think is a player that could go out could be one of the shocks that goes out earlier on in the in the competition I'm not gonna lie Really, as, as in, I think this is a it's a hard to gauge the form this year because last year we were tipping her maybe for the yeah. title, and she obviously went out in the first round to someone who then put together a rather impressive uh, semi final show in Australia. Your favourite Magdalenette, um, and I think she the pressure's not on her, and I think that's something when the pressure is on on she can buckle a little bit. Um, I think we saw that in the Wimbledon final last year. It was on her racket at times and then Rebecca really upped her game um, in that second and third set. So she's an unknown quantity and I think that's something also when it comes to Rebecca at the French Open on clay, we haven't seen her play kind of that much there or have that many deep runs there. So this whole section, I think, does lend itself to the people who were able to play well in Paris this year, I think I wouldn't look too much at the form book mm. because players like, you know, Petra Kvitova had barely any clay form and then she came in in Oct- uh, the October French Open reached the semi-finals and she hasn't, she's barely played on mm. clay this year. So this is wide open and I think it's all about who is playing well in Paris on the day and Rebecca has shown the consistency, so that's probably where I'm looking in this section. Mm. I do think Had Admire might be an interesting proposition. You love Had Admire. Yeah, I, I, I do, I do. I, I, my heart goes out for her still after that uh, that defeat through to um, to Kalanina in, in, in Rome. You're but not over that. No, I'm You're not. not I think she's role. a great competitor. And I think she, yeah, if she can put some momentum together, I think she'll take some stopping. So, uh, yeah, we'll wait and see. But certainly I'm... What, not Sara Cerebras mm, Tormo? Those two, they, they could meet yeah, here? Potentially, but no. I'm still with you. I think Rebecca, what we've seen so far, she's certainly, I think, going to... Yeah, look like looks like she's set for a decent run um, at the French Open. Um, it's nice to see Annette Contevet in the mm, draw. Yes. Um, as she continues her return to form. Um, I think that is obviously something that um, she's talked about, some of the injury issues that she's had. Um, the fact she has to manage the pain, it will never fully go away. Um, but it is good to see that yeah. she's able to be back on court and competing because she's had a real rough time since the US Open. Yeah, I totally agree. And moving on to the the bottom half of the draw, uh, Maria Sakkari, Jesse Pagula. French Open semi-finalist 2023, surely. <laughs> is that losing French Open semi-finalist 2023? I mean, I think that depends what you put yeah, on. Well, we'll I can't see her going further. <laughs> um, I mean, Sakkari, arguably, 
could be could go out in round one. She's got Carolina Mukova, which is not an easy. That is not an easy opener, is it? Um, I better adjust my predictions because I don't think I'd read that one right. <laughs> um, but I think I'd. Oh, that's going to be a tough mm. one. That's. I think I would not be shocked if Zachary goes out there. I wouldn't be but shocked. But I also have to just stress my predictions. Don't don't say that. I'm also interested in to see in how Belinda Bencic gets on because she's always such a consistent performer at Grand Slams. She's had a lot of time out. Yeah, we've not seen her on on a tennis court really that much um, recently. So I think she's a little bit of an unknown quantity. Um, Jesse Pagula, as consistent as always, she's not actually reached a French Open semi final. Do you think there's a chance she could do it here? Uh, definitely could be a chance I think it depends on the draw I'm not sure she's had mm. the best clay season coming in um, Danielle Collins round one now that's a matchup I'd love to see I feel like on an American hard court French open clay I feel it's a little bit of a different story yes I think it is I think unfortunately <laughs> they, they did play on a US hard court this year and Pagula did get that win in Miami and it was 6-1 7-6 love in that tie break so <laughs> I'm not sure on clay that's going to be much better than, than that. And Daniel doesn't always have the best form there. Um, it's, it is an exciting one. Obviously, Australian Open finalist versus, you know, the number three seed. Um, I I do think Pagu is going to get through that. And I think Mertens is a great draw mm. as well. To get to round three. It is, that's a really good draw. <laughs> I was surprised that she was seeded. And then Samsonova hasn't put it together particularly. So I can't see her going up before the quarterfinals. So actually why not why not a semi-final would be my my question there but camilla georgie another famously mm. dangerous floater who if we cast our mind back she beat this year's australian open um champion absolutely wiped the floor with yeah, her after the first yeah. set yeah yeah four six six one six eleven that one so on her day she can beat anyone so i do think there are so many question marks about form and ifs and buts whereas previously i think we've been a bit more concrete in some of these suggestions whereas we just don't know who who was really got the form coming into this. But you are excited for. I've noticed on on our script, you have penciled in Sara Irani versus Jill Teichman as one of your picks for round one. Now, please, can you please enlighten me? What's what's so compelling for you about that matchup? Firstly, it is a masterclass in serving. Um, Sara Irani, one of the tour's greatest servers ever to play the game. Um, no, former French Open finalist, um, Sara Irani. I think we've been we've been a little bit harsh on her at times. We have to be fair. Um, yeah. But she's still plugging away on the court, still getting the results and still getting direct entry to a slam, which is not something that the Brits can be saying right Very now. True. So Very true. Um, I do always think it's nice, you know, in a bit of a Fabi- Fabio Fognini style, Sara Irani still out there. And um, with Trevor San having some injury concerns mm. and pulling out of... Rabat, maybe she'll be the person flying the flag, her and Camilla Georgie. So um, will I be watching that match? Obviously. Um, anything that would be played on the ITF tour, I will also I'll be watching, <laughs> especially if it's at a slam. Well, I mean, you talk about Martina Trevisan. I mean, she is in the bottom quarter. She's got a very interesting round one matchup against Elena Svitolina, who's having a very good week um, this week. Um in into the semi-finals i forget which tournament she's in but yeah she's putting in a good she's in strasbourg. in strasbourg right so yeah she's having a very very good week i mean arena sabalenka is the second seed she's the australian open champion do you see sabalenka picking up successive grand slams or or do you think that's a stretch too far on on a clay court it's a really hard one because she hasn't had the best form at the french um, and obviously, Sophia Kennan kind of mm. pulled through quite, I'm, I'm um, putting that down quite to, well against her. I think her. she was just knackered. I think she was just knackered. Um, I mean, given what we saw from Kennan in, in French Open qualifying, um, I'm almost like... Maybe she was knackered. But I, I understand that being a blip, but I also just think it's a different way coming into the tournament, um, coming off a loss against someone ranked outside the top 100, mm. even if they have won a slam before. Um, she's got a pretty good draw, but Marta Kostrick is a hard first yeah, round. Agreed. But if she can get through that one, um, I do think that she will kind of have a pretty serene course um, to the semi-finals. Potentially, I do think it's um, mm, it's a pretty good draw. So you're not thinking about because Yelena Ostapenko um, is in this quarter, and you know me, I love a bit of I love a bit of uh, I love a bit of Yelena Ostapenko. Um, 
how do you see her chances? Because I think she's being talked about. We know obviously her, you know, her mental game leaves quite a bit to be desired, but the form that she has shown and the draw that Yelena Ostapenko has been given, particularly with Caroline Garcia, who I don't necessarily think has had the best build up to the French Open. Do you see mm. Ostapenko as a potential dark horse in this in this quarter? It's almost like you've seen my predictions, Joel. Um, I went there. I'm not sure you did, but um, you might have. We can we can see later. But I think it's a great opportunity for her. It's probably the best form, the best mm. position she's been in with a decent draw to make Agreed. an impact at a slam since she won the French. So all eyes on her getting kind of Casacchino and Garcia. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better, um, a couple of seeds really that, could get you kind of into the latter week because I really think Garcia is an incredible player. I just can't see her going anywhere in this draw because adding the French pressure, her lack of form and some of the comments she said about the fact that she's not enjoying herself on court. I have deep concerns mm. about how she'll perform here and whether this will be a positive experience for her. Um, and I, I, I can't see her having the biggest impact. I do think, though, in this section, we've got former French Open finalist Von Drusseva. I was thinking that. Um, I was looking at that. Former French Open finalist Sloane mm. Stevens. Um, and so this is an, another area of dangerous floaters here. And I think maybe someone from outside the seeds might end up getting themselves a good run. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I was looking at uh, Von Drusseva, who has had great, well, for, as you said, former French Open finalist. I think... I just don't understand. I mean, I get, yeah, she's quite a little bit injury prone, but yeah, she's a great player on her day that um, can be can put up a really formidable task and who knows, maybe could face Ostapenko in round three. That would be an intriguing one to, to see if that happens. But we're going to do some predictions now. Um, again, I have got... Here we go. I have got Kim's predictions. And interestingly, the the champions, uh, you know, we were talking earlier about Svantec as the favourite, me and you, Chris, we'll get onto it, but we may not necessarily have gone there. I, this was one of the hardest ones I've done because if, buts, maybes, I still don't know if Rebecca can play on clay because no one played <laughs> against her in Rome. So that that's my big mm. question. Everyone, everyone dropped out of those matches. So it's going to be hard. Sabalenka, we don't know. Iga, her form is in question. So Who have you got in your quarters? I, I'm already backing out, but I've gone for Kajikova <laughs> having a win over Iga because of the injury mm-hmm. concerns I have. I've got Kalanina making a mm-hmm. quarterfinal. You can see that. Then I've got Rabakina, Donna Vekic. I think Vekic is going to make another quarterfinal of a slam. I've gone for Sakari and Pagula. And then I've gone for Ostapenko and Sabalenka. So a couple of curveballs, but not too many. And then Kim in the quarterfinals, I can see. Um, has gone completely different from myself. Has gone for Sviontek versus Keys. Not sure where she got Keys from, um, or if Keys has been playing much on the clay. We've got Rabakina Vekic, we've got Sakari Pagula, and Ostapenko Sabalenko. So mm. not far off. Yeah, it's uh, and that, I mean that's very very close to me. I've got Sviontek Kudometova, but yeah, I feel like of course you of do. Course. Of course you do. Kudometova is always to me like the that'll be a one in a love banker, or one in one banker QF like a and a. Like a little bit of a, an elevated Elise Mertens, I think, for me in, in Grand Sams. But um, yeah, I've got Svantec. What a comparison. <laughs> Vekic as well, I think, doing quite well. Um, yeah, and, and very similar. I mean, my semis are Svantec, Rabakina, Sakari, Sabalenka with my final Ribakina Sabalenka with my champion... Ribakina. I, I think I think she's just going to go all the way and I think she's going to have that they're going to have a complete match um, following on from, from Rome in that semi-final. And I'm I'm back in Rabakina to go all the way and defeat Sabalenka, who she faced in the Australian Open final. So she will get, get her some revenge. revenge. Well, yeah. I can tell you someone who doesn't agree with you is Kim, who in her semi-finals has Sviantec Rabakina, Sakari Sabalenka with a Sviantec Sabalenka mm. final. So that's the difference. She thinks that Sviantec will make it through with Eager picking up her third Ooh, French Open title. Um, I have to say, and I'm very concerned now because I've got the same winner as you, which <laughs> normally means it's game over. 
Um, but in my semi-final, I've got Krajikova back in her, and I've got Krajikova in a I, semi-final. I don't, wow. I don't know how I've got this, but through a process of elimination, I got Pagula Ostapenko. And then I thought, you know what? For the fans, let's have the garage match. Rabakina Ostapenko in the final. And I think Rabakina mm. will still get it. Um, and hopefully there'll be less expletives in this one. <laughs> no, but, I want more hey, I want more expletives. We're all there for the handshake. <laughs> um, if there is, I mean, in a grand slam final, you've got to shake the hand, surely, and then say something nice about them with the microphone afterwards. So I'd pay money to see that. Well, we'll, we'll, wait, we'll wait and see. But yeah, very interesting. Because I think genuinely, maybe a few weeks ago, we would probably all had Igor Sviontek as our as our champion, but yeah, times I discounted Rubashina completely yeah, in Rome. I, I said I'm not looking at her, and then she won it, and now she's my pick for I the know. French. I think Rome just just generally with with Medvedev, Medvedev and Rubashina, it's just like it's just completely thrown everything. Uh, it's up thrown in the air. us, hasn't yeah. it? Um, right, that's um that's some of our our predictions. We're now going to move on to what is a very big occasion. It's collector set. It's French Open it's 2023 collector set. Uh, for listeners who have not done collector set before, this is our Grand Slam game where we announce six players and you tell us what round you think they will get to or if they will become champion. And the person with the most correct picks will win a very coveted tennis weekly mug <gasps> a tennis weekly mug at stake it's this exciting. is this is big, is big. this is exciting is i just to be honest i just want to beat you and, and kim so well <laughs> I, f- I forgot about the slam spoons of shame oh, of course they need to they need to be dished out yes. again i mean i think I, served out we should i mean say. i think i was pretty shocking um for australia i think, you I, think I was the worst the current holder yeah of the slam i think that is shame. right so this yeah. is for us, we're not playing to win the mug. <laughs> we're playing not to be shamed. So, um, who do we have for the picks? Right. Joel? So, I, I'm. I, let's let's share let's share the duties. But we did for the first time in our history put out a collector set pick on social media, which I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you talk about that one. Um, we also had a collector set pick from one of our crowd funders, Emily, and I'm going to start with that one because that is one of our male picks. So. A little bit of a drum roll. Um, our three picks for men for this year's collector set are Daniel Medvedev, Holger Runa, which is Emily's pick, and Cam Norrie. That's a good mix, Joel. <laughs> and who have we got on the on the female side? Well, I'll start with our Twitter collector set pick which was Tennis Twitter's favourite, Yelena Ostapenko. We it also was never in doubt. Never in <laughs> doubt. We have last year's finalist, Coco Goff. And we have Elena Rabakina. Oh, so much. Some big names. So much uncertainty, I feel, with Ostapenko and Goff. They could go out in round one, but they could also get to the final. You just don't know. I think last time, the Australian Open, everyone didn't no. do very well. So we've had the worst case. This is when <laughs> Tennis Weekly listeners and ourselves are competing for six. I'd love someone I to know. get six we've, this time, We've Joel. been so close. We have been very, very close to someone getting all six. Um, but yes, what we're asking our listeners to do then, we're gonna. I'm just going to say the picks again. So Medvedev, Runa, Nori, Rabakina... Ostapenko and Coco Goff. So tell us on social media or email us where you think in the competition, what round you think those players are going to get to. And if you think they're going to get to the final, let us know if you think they're going to be a finalist or if they're going to win for your chance to win a tennis weekly mug. Let us know your answers by Sunday morning UK time before the first ball is hit. Um, so yeah, get your get your predictions in. We are going to be announcing our predictions um, in our first our, in our round one round by round catch up, um, which will be our Do next. Do we have pod. to? Yes, it was like, can't we keep it? It's secret? tradition. It is tradition. It's tradition. Okay. Um, I think we're going to be putting them out on our, our socials as well, so all of our listeners can have a good giggle at that, no doubt. Um, but yeah, get your collector set player picks in, and we're going to leave it there. Um, we've Chris, we've we've looked back on the draws. We've given our predictions. Stage is the set. stage is set. 
Um, really excited. I mean, it starts on Sunday as well. Um, so got another another day on the weekend. It's a bank holiday for us in the UK. So it's just a great opportunity to start watching full day of tennis, really. It is. And I'll be in Paris Ooh. next week as well. So hopefully I'll be able to pick up a few um few gems whilst i'm there <laughs> get some good matches in um yeah and, and if you are there let let us know and we can we can mm. say hello when we're there yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing what you get up to at the french open listeners i hope you've enjoyed our latest episode of the tennis weekly podcast remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the action to come from roland garros we are on apple Podcasts, spotify and all major podcasting platforms out there And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also follow us on social media or email the show. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and now TikTok at Tennis Weekly Pod. You can email the show tennisweeklypod at gmail.com or check out our website tennisweekly.co.uk. And we will be back next Tuesday at Tennis Weekly HQ for our round one round by round catch up of the French Open. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Chris. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you again soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.